Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster. Those of you who were watching last Sunday on our YouTube channel know that we lost our Wi-Fi connection during the broadcast, unfortunately, because of the bandwidth went down. I don't understand all that, but for that we apologize and we hope we'll do better. And in that regard, if any of you here in the building are connected to Northminster's Wi-Fi, please turn it off now so that we'll have our full uh, bandwidth uh, capability. Last Sunday's service has been restored thanks to the hard work of D.H. Clark and is now saved on our YouTube channel for any of you who may be interested. A few opportunities and announcements. Please remember in prayer those listed on the insert in the order of worship. But also Mel and Mitchell Mobley in the death of uh, their mother and grandmother. Additionally, our friend from Cuba, Turi Paz, who's been moved now into the ICU unit at the hospital there in Ciego Diablo because of his continuing low oxygen uh, level caused by COVID-19. The mission's trunk emphasis for September is the, are, are the, the folks in the war veterans home in Monroe. So please see the church newsletter for the items that, that they need there. And remember that we're all invited on this coming Wednesday and every Wednesday at noon to brown bag lunch here at the church building. Bring your own lunch and enjoy a good time uh, together and visiting. Also, all members of the Family Ministries Commission and all care group leaders are reminded of the meeting this coming Thursday uh, afternoon late at 5.30 here at the church building. We're thankful to Marilyn Decker, as always, for the creation of our beautiful uh, arrangement, flower arrangement on the communion table this morning. And after the service, please feel free to come and, and take some of the flowers to brighten your week or someone else's week. And as always, please, please review the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. We welcome Reverend Paula Clayton Dempsey as our pulpit guest and worship leader this morning at Northminster. Paula is the Director of Partnership Relations with the Alliance of Baptists, a position that she's held for 12 years, but from which she is retiring on October 15th. So we're really fortunate to get Paula here before she's retired. She's also a longtime friend of Northminster, assisting us in many ways throughout the years. Prior to joining the staff of the Alliance, Paula served more than 25 years as a pastor, campus minister, hospice chaplain, and the director of the Advent Spirituality Center. Paula lives with her family in Western North Carolina, where she enjoys watching wildlife from her back porch <laughs> and cooking with fresh vegetables, Camille, uh, purchased from the local farmer's market. Paula. Welcome to Northminster. Grace and peace to you from our loving, living God. And thank you, Craig, for such a, a generous and kind uh, introduction. And thank you, Marilyn, for the beautiful flowers. Where are you, Marilyn? I saw your, oh, she's wearing a robe now. When I saw her earlier, she wasn't. Um, Thank you so much, and 
Um, it, when you take one of those blossoms with you, when you go home, may it be a reminder of God's blessing and love for you or whoever you share it with throughout this week. It's been an incredible journey to um, walk with the Alliance of Baptists and with Northminster Church these 12 years. But the journey is uh, longer than that for me with the Alliance. I've been a part of the Alliance of Baptists, not quite at the beginning. Now, Welton was there at the beginning. And Craig, you were probably there very close after the beginning, if not at the very beginning. So the, the Alliance and Northminster have been partners for our, our whole time of existence. And it's been an incredible journey, partnering in mission, forging a way for free and faithful Baptists to be in pursuit of God's justice and love in partnership, entering into partnerships in mission, especially with our friends in Cuba. It's been an incredible journey of pursuing and proclaiming God's liberative justice in this world. So I want to thank you. Thank you for being a part of that with the Alliance. You may not have personally had an opportunity to know all about the Alliance, and if you'd like to know more, I actually placed in the foyer uh, some sign-up sheets where you can sign up to be on our mailing list and read our newsletter and find out what's happening now that I'm laying down this mantle and passing it on, but I'm excited about what's ahead in the life of the Alliance. I'm also excited about what's ahead in the life of Northminster Church. I am honored to be a guest at this particular time when you are an in-between season, in-between pastors. You know, uh, the last time I visited you, were, you were in the, a similar season, and God did marvelous things with you in bringing new leadership. God gave you an opportunity to examine the paths where God is leading you to make a difference in your community. And so now you are searching for a leader who will accompany you and be with you as you become the church God is calling you to be right here in this context. So my prayers are with you, and I celebrate who you are and who you will be as you follow where God leads you in the days ahead. When the Alliance was formed, you were there. And when we formed, we formed around a covenant, a covenant of, that articulated how we wanted to be in relationship with each other. Well, that was 34 years ago. A lot's changed in this world in 34 years. So if just a few years ago, a group met and pondered for weeks and months, and just this spring, we adopted a revised covenant and mission for the Alliance of Baptists. Well, I asked D.H. as he was putting the service together, can we interweave this new covenant into our worship today? So I invite you not just to toss your worship order in the recycle bin when you leave. I invite you to take it home with you. I invite you to, a professor where I used to work as campus minister said, drink the ink off the pages. You know, I invite you to drink the ink off the pages at, at the sections that are the new revised covenant and mission that we adopted in April and, and discern how, how does that reflect this church's commitment? How does it articulate who you are? And, and, le and let us celebrate and commit to continuing this journey together 
in the Alliance of Baptist and Northminster Church. I thank you for this opportunity to be your worship leader today. And my prayers are with you in this time, and I covet them from you for the Alliance, also in our days of transition. So I invite you to join me. Join me as we offer these opening words, the first movement of the Alliance of Baptist Covenant Mission as our opening words for worship today. We are people of faith formed by a long tradition of dissent and historic Baptist freedoms. Celebrating this heritage, we seek to cultivate beloved community, claiming our identity within the body of Christ in the world and our solidarity with all creation. We welcome and affirm all persons with full respect to gender, sexual, racial, and ethnic identities. We hold space for all persons with varying abilities social standing, or economic status. Let us remember our traditions, both those that God calls us to continue as foundations upon which to grow as justice makers, and those that we must understand help to foster systems of injustice that we may work to achieve their full dismantling. So let us, as we worship here and through our work in the days ahead, join with God and welcome all here. All are welcome here. We rejoice in all God's people. Thanks be to God.
Let us continue in prayer. O oh God, because you are the source of all life and love and being, we call you creator. Because you hold us up and give us strength and courage when we are struggling and in need, we call you sustainer. Because we have known you and our pain and suffering, we call you comforter. Because beyond pain lies your promise of all things made new, we call you hope. Because you are the means of liberation and the way to freedom, we call you Redeemer. Confident that you will hear, we call upon you with all these names that make you real to us. And we call upon you once again to respond to our yearnings for peace. And we recite these yearnings midst the drama of our times. The 20th anniversary of the horror of 9-11. The craziness we find ourselves in with conflicting cultures and worldviews. In the alarm over power possessed by all or some to destroy so much of what we've known. And in the midst of all of the concerns that were voiced earlier during our welcome, the names of those we hold dear, whom we hold now in this moment of silence. Spirit of God, make your presence evident in these we remember and in these distressing and disquieting days that are filled with conflicts over race and human dignity, with war waging and with the defiance of hurricanes and pandemic losses and punitive public policies and partisan turmoil. Oh, we need your presence to be evident in all these times. We pray today not only for peace, but for the things that make for peace and that we may be used as instruments of your peace. Like you, may we judge with wisdom and be generous with mercy. 
May we cultivate courage and compassion and community. Like Jesus, may we offer ourselves in service to others with love and empathy. That the well-being of our neighbor and our enemy will be valued as highly as the good we seek for ourselves. Let your spirit of peace inspire us to take on the challenges of these times with the perspective, the grace, and the dedication needed that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, 
give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. This is good news for all to hear. Thanks be to God.
I'm going to leave today with so many songs in my mind and in my ear. I actually have a trouble sometimes with earworms getting stuck in my ear. I don't know if you ever had that happen or if you even know that term. You know, it's one of those songs that just gets, gets it's just hung up like the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. You know, we, we, those who heard that over the years, it's like an earworm. You can't get rid of it. I read the lyrics to the spiritual that the title of my message comes from one day in the book by Bishop Michael Curry, Plenty Good Room. I thought, I don't know that song. I'm going to look it up. And I found this recording of it on YouTube by this Eurovision choir, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Every morning in the shower, plenty good room, plenty good room. <laughs> Walking down the street with my dog, plenty good room. Plenty, I mean, everywhere. And I've decided I've I got to preach about that song. So that's, that's kind of been my, my, my sermon that I've been taking on the road with me, saying goodbye to Alliance congregations, at least in this official role. And then I look at the text. What are the texts that, that this song drives me to? And the two that were read earlier in this service were two that I chose to share with you today and just ask us to reflect about them a bit. You know, Jesus tells stories about tables all the time. There's plenty of good room at the table, at Jesus' table, at the tables that Jesus set, at the gospel table, at, at the kingdom table. Plenty good room, plenty good room, plenty good room at my Father's kingdom. Plenty good room, plenty good room, just choose your seat and sit down. That's how it goes. DH is going to sing it much better for us in a few minutes. <laughs> but these two stories that were read earlier remind me so much about the tables of my childhood and my growing up years. Now, the first story is about a wedding banquet. Well, what it reminds me of is the family reunions that I had growing up. Now, I grew up on a tobacco farm, and um, in my mother's family, there were 10 siblings. In my father's family, there were originally 17 children. Seriously, seriously, I have first cousins that I barely know because there were so many of us. So when there was a family get-together, there were not a lot of seats. You know, we'd find a seat, you know, at the table anyway, but we'd find a seat wherever we could. And then um, often these family get-togethers on Sunday after church, and, we, and one of the sisters or brothers would host it at their house, or we would go to our grandmother's house. And who got to sit at the, the big table, you know, the dining room table? Well, the guest preacher <laughs> would sit there with all the men. Now, my seat would be at the children's table, and I graduated to move to sit at the table where the women who prepared the meal sat. If I had attempted to sit at the dining room table, just like the par this parable says, I would have been told where to move. I would have been told where my seat belonged. And then the second story Reminds me of the table we had, or we had more than one table, on, at the farm where I grew up, in, the, in our farmhouse. Um, we we um, often served, we called it dinner. The, middle, the, the, the noontime meal at our house was dinner, because it was the biggest meal. 
It was the meal that had to be the largest to sustain us through our day of work. And so at this time of year, we'd still, this time in September, we'd still be doing this work on the farm because my daddy raised tobacco. And harvesting the crop was always a, a, a sun up to sundown work. And sometimes um, he would employ young men in the community who would come and help us. And anybody who helped us work that day on the farm, we would have them for dinner. And since I was the only daughter of, of children of four, I had three brothers, I was my mother's helper. So whatever she needed me to do, it, whether it would be peeling potatoes, um, slicing tomatoes, um, slicing cucumbers, what, whatever, whatever the job she had for me, it was my job to assist her to get that meal on the table for everyone. One of my jobs was to set the table. And I was a typical teenager, aren't we all? You know, I didn't quite follow her instructions to the letter all the time. And one day, um, I set the table the way I thought it should be set. You see, we, we had two different tables, one on the porch that was much larger, a large one, and one by the, and the kitchen table that was the size for just our, our immediate family. And their tradition was that if we had any black helpers, that they would sit at a table separate from the family. I was a troubled teenager. I didn't think that was the way the table should be set, so I set it differently that day. And you know what? We never set the table the way we used to ever again. We, the, the, the table was big enough for everybody. And we all sat together that day, black and white. Now, I can't tell you, I cannot tell you that racial bias ended in my family that day because it's, it's still present. But I can tell you that a, a teenage girl set a table differently and something changed. Something changed in me and something changed in my family that day. And it's because a, a teenage girl just did something because she felt bothered. You know, I feel like making room at the table for everyone and setting tables has been at the core of my 42 years of ministry. It was 42 years ago when I was ordained. And I feel like setting tables is at the heart of the work we are called to do as the church. For the church, it started with the Hellenized Jews who were widows who, who needed assistance and said, can't you help us too? Don't we deserve being helped? And then the church made room at the table for Samaritans, these people who were part Jew and part Gentile. Can't, can't we get a seat at the table? And then there was a knocking at the door of those completely outside the Judeo-Christian tradition. They wanted in to the church. Can there, is there room at the table for the Gentiles? And, and these were our ancestors. Is there room enough for me? 400 years ago, this question was asked by our Baptist ancestors who risked life and limb to cross the ocean in pursuit of religious liberty and come to the lands here. And the vision of a table with room enough for all was sung by enslaved persons 400 years ago. Plenty good room 
plenty good room at my father's table. Then 34 years ago, the Alliance raised this question because we were getting shut out from the table in Baptist circles. So the Alliance of Baptists raised this question and insisted, and insisted when we were formed that there be room at the table for women and full ordained ministry and the life and work of the church, and then insisted that there be room at the table with full inclusion of the LGBTQ community in all aspects of life and ministry of the church. There's a reference in Acts 17, verse 6, where it describes the church of Thessalonica this way. It says they're dragging some believers before the city authorities, shouting, these people who've been turning the world upside down have come here also. You hear how they were described? These Christians? These followers of Jesus? They were described as turning the world upside down, setting the table differently, changing systems. We're called to do just that in the systems in which we live and move, creating a guest list that would be God's guest list. Sending those with privilege to the bottom of the table where those who've been slowly inviting them to move up to a seat with more prestige until all God's children have a seat at the table. Who's being denied a seat at the table today? Well, I think the same people who sang this song or composed this song 400 years ago had a deep theological vision believing that God's household has room for all and they've been denied seats 400 years you know that vision is a is a message that is a counter narrative to the dominant one too I mean if you get a seat at the table that means I'm going to lose mine no it doesn't there's room at God's table for everyone well, there might not be enough food to go around if, 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 if we keep adding to the table. No, no, at God's table, there's plenty to go around, especially if we all just take what we need. You see, we're setting places at God's table. We're God's partners in bringing justice and healing to our world. God has tapped us to be a part of God's dream team. That's what James Forbes has said to me over and over. We are a part of God's dream team called to end racial injustice now and forever. God has recruited us to, to dismantle all systems of abuse of power, the power we destructively hold over one another and all of creation that dehumanizes that strips people of human dignity and safety, power that withholds a living wage from those who harvest the food we eat, power that believes that natural resources are mine to extract and use for profit, power that says white bodies are more deserving than black and brown bodies. There's so much abuse of power that needs dismantling, so many tables that need resetting and expanding Oh, they go by other names, like um, redistricting. That's a table. 
That's table setting, just pure and simple. Somebody set the table. There's the question of who gets to vote. How accessible should voting be? Table setting. What about the rights of transgender children and their families? And reproductive choice? Well, it's under siege. Pure and simple, it's table setting. Who actually gets comprehensive and affordable health care? And which schools are adequately funded? Which neighborhood schools? And clean water, who gets that? And a living wage in your dreams. All of that is about setting tables. The Alliance is working hard now to reset the table of our organization. It's the work we're called to do because God's children are hurting. And whenever anyone hurts one of God's children, well, we're hurting Jesus himself, who came so that all may have life and have it abundantly. You know, I realize I had a lot of opportunities to set tables in my ministry, beginning with my childhood on that tobacco farm in North Carolina, going through my time as a student, as a pastor, as a college and a hospice chaplain, and the past several years directing a nonprofit. And some days, when I reflect back on my 42 years of ministry, I wonder if I have stewarded what I've been given faithfully enough to even deserve a seat at God's table. Now I'm convinced that it's not only time for me and those who have the power to set the table to just relinquish that power, it's time for those who've been told to sit and told where to sit to be the ones who are setting the table to be the ones making those decisions. It's, it's, it's that time. That's the commitment we're made, we've made in the Alliance. With our most recent staffing changes and announcements and with the nominees to our board of directors, and it's a significant change, a systemic change, God-sized kind of change, the kind of change that turns the world upside down. It's what we're called to do who we're called to be. Whose table are we talking about anyway? Well, it's God's table. It's God's table we're sitting. We are all God's partners. Again, James Forbes, God's dream team, he calls us. God's tapped us to be members of that team. So I asked D.H., could this refrain be sung in worship today? I hope it's going to stick in your ear the way it's stuck in mine. Because, you know, when we sing it, we're singing it in harmony with those voices who fought for a place at the table for four centuries. And when it's sung, it's sung in harmony with those we stand shoulder to shoulder with, working to create places of hope and healing right now in our communities. So we're singing it with all the 140 churches that make up the Alliance of Baptist. We're singing it with all the churches that are, that are working for racial justice in our world right now. And when we're singing it, we're singing it on behalf of those who are going to come before us for our unborn progeny. I mean, if you've got grandchildren, you're singing it for them. 
I'm hoping to have some one day. I'm singing it for them and for their children. There's plenty could run. So I'm singing it with them, with those who've gone behind me, with those who are standing beside me, with those who are coming ahead of me. And you know who else is humming it with me? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is right there beside us when we are setting those tables and resetting those tables. God is right there with us on the front lines of hope, breathing in us the power and the strength to carry on, to make room for all. And what did someone say who heard Jesus tell these stories? Someone said, happy. Happy are those who feast in God's kingdom because when we set a table for all, we know there's joy to be had. When that table is set and when that feast is held, it's going to be a happy day. A happy day, absolute joy. We're missing out on that joy when we limit the table to those who are just like us and who can return the favor and the invite. There's joy for those who feast together in God's table. Oh, my friends, there's just plenty good room, plenty good room. Sing it for us, D.H., take it away.
we go forth from this place refreshed, reinvigorated, flawed, and forgiven, eager to get to work, people. May our worship go with us. Guided by the Spirit, 